Welcome to episode 195 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, I am your host, Patsy the Angry Nerd, and uh, we are, of course, here in quarantisolation, uh, self-imposed exile at the uh, deep within the bowels of Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave. And I have, of course, I am, of course, joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, the queen of the monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. Ashes isn't here right now, Mr. Patsy. That would be uh that would be interesting. So who are you supposed to be? Who's who's that uh who's your little person there that if it's not Ashes, who are you? Um Mittens. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Mittens. <laughs> Which once again proves my theory. Everyone is named Mittens. <laughs> No, no, yeah. definitely not mittens. It would be the opposite of mittens. Socks. Gloves. <laughs> Gloves wouldn't be the opposite of mittens. Oh, the op- what would Gloves be? Gloves go on, I mean, like mittens go on your hands. Gloves go on your hands. Yeah. So the opposite would be something that goes on your feet. But made them cold? Because mittens Maybe. go on your hand to keep them warm. So I'm a seaweed wrap. You're asking too many questions. I'm cold socks. Red rum. Red yeah. wine. Trapuke sip. Red wine. Yeah, that would be you. Red wine. So if you haven't figured it out yet, we are uh, going to be talking about some uh, some isolation stuff because we are all uh, drinking the quarantinis. And uh, we're quarantinis be... all around. We're going to be talking about Danny Torrance from both The Shining and Doctor Sleep. And we're going to talk a little bit about you know what makes him tick, what makes him shine, polish him up, make him real shiny, uh, you know, all that good stuff. But what we thought, what we thought we'd start off with is uh, because we do like our getting into character questions, and I think this is a good one, especially now. Um, Ashes, if you had The Shining, how would you use that to your advantage? Like, would you be good with it or would you like and help mankind or would you use it to kind of further yourself or maybe a little bit of both? Uh, clearly I would use The Shining to obtain my ultimate goal of world domination. Wouldn't yours be The Whining? The Whining. <laughs> Yes, the whining. <laughs> Someone's got to Photoshop that. I don't know how. <laughs> Although I suppose, because uh, some folks out there might know, I, I started a new job as a content production manager, so I should know how to do Photoshop. Uh, that's part of my my uh, self-imposed training, and I guess you know where uh, I'll be working from home. That's something I should do. And I can make the whining. So, uh, uh, please. I can do lots of whining. Yeah, you do lots of whining, both kinds. (laughs) But yeah, um, 
so I'd like to think that I would do it for, you know, use it for good, try to, you know, there are very few things that I, I want of this world. And most of it is, you know, to benefit mankind and benefit others and the animals and all the good stuff. But, you know, I mean, I, 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 I can't help but want to accomplish certain things. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I would use, if I had The Shining, and depending on how powerful I was, and if I had... Cause, and I guess, yeah, that's a big thing, too. It depends on how powerful you are. And it depends on, like, which version of The Shining, because we saw and in Doctor Sleep... how well you can Sleep, use it. In Doctor Sleep, we see, like, a lot of weird, different uh, incarnations of the power, which sort of goes back to the um, the uh, the theory that... Many people throughout the Stephen King universe have what's called The Shining, but they use it in a lot of different ways. Like there's, and I know our buddy Powerful Brandon hates this theory, but all the kids from it can shine. They have abilities. They have like this extra sensory psychic ability. Um, You could look at uh, Jake from uh, not State Farm, but Dark Tower. Uh, he had what they called it in that series, they call it the touch. But the way he describes it, it's very much like The Shining. Well, and obviously Carrie White has it. And Carrie. Carrie White has an ability, yeah. Because um, I wasn't, I wasn't going to classify Carrie or um, little Annie Firestarter, whatever the hell her name is on that. I Charlie, I forget her last name, um, because... She got her powers through, um, like an MK Ultra like experience. It's her origin story is very similar to Eleven's origin story. Oh, really? Where her parents each had abilities and they were enhanced by like an MK Ultra like program, and then she ended up with powers that they transferred to her. You know, after theirs were awakened, so it's very similar there. But Carrie, yeah, I, I guess you could say Carrie. Carrie's well, more like really the telekinesis. Yeah, like, well, like she also can do kind of like the 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 ESPN stuff. Yeah, like she can read thoughts, you know, telepathy, telekinesis. Not quite the same way. Like Danny Torrance, more like sees. I liken it to being able to see like the extra dimensional type of stuff. Like he can, you know, he sees dead people all the time. Um, like the impressions that spirits leave in a certain place and like the hotel itself is supposed to have to be like a beacon of shine ability, much like the house on Dutch Hill in uh, the dark tower series is like a beacon of shine ability, which is why like it's dangerous for certain people. So it's not just people that have it. It's, you know, objects and, you know, houses because they have a connection to other things. It's, it's hard to explain in just like a few sentences, but there's a lot of different abilities with the shining. You know, think about it like anytime you've seen someone, you know, like in comics, you know, with, uh, you know, like the X-Men or again with Stranger Things, someone who has any sort of mental ability, like I can make you see things that are scary or I can see into the future or into the past, you know, Bran from Game of Thrones would be like a an example of some sort of shining. So Danny Torrance is a three-eyed raven? Danny Torrance is king of Westeros. That's his ultimate uh 
Because who has a better story than Danny Torrance? <laughs> Dan the Droken. But Dan I, the Drunken. Dan the Drunken. <laughs> but that's the other thing. Like It depends on how powerful you are because, as we will find out, certain people who have the ability to shine maybe don't know how to turn it off and have to dull their senses with... Outside various vices substances. yeah outside yeah. substances but, but if I... it's if it's me mm-hmm. if i'm gonna use my power not to cut you off but i should probably answer the question that i've been that was very long it was like five minutes that ago was... <laughs> I, I forget what we're talking about now. we're talking about what you would use the shining to i do. was joking okay i'm just making sure uh i would use the shining to force willfully ignorant people to face reality that science is real that you know certain things have you know actions have consequences like you can't for two weeks say oh well COVID-19 no big deal and then a week later say you know what I knew this was going to be a pandemic the whole time that's why I spent so much time saying it was a hoax and doing nothing I would force people to, you know, open up their minds and actually use them for something other than a paperweight. That would be my goal with The Shining. You know what's super fun right now? It's also the beginning of allergy season, Mm -hmm. hence the sneezing and the runny nose and congestion and stuff. I wake up every morning. I have to remind me, go to work and I'm like, I don't have have the coronavirus. It's just allergies. (laughs) I do take my temperature once a day and I take it, you know, around five, six o'clock at night. And the last time I took it, I took it last night and it was 97.7 which is right on par for me. I That is my normal temperature, 97.7. So I am good. Everything is just business as usual. As far as my temperature goes, yes. you know, And that's one of those things where it's, like it's hard to tell. When it, it, this is coming at the time of seasonal allergies, cold and flu season. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, almost it's spring. That, you know, I, I know I personally sometimes get a lot of like allergy-induced colds as well. So it's 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 crazy. I think the the most we can say is just take care of yourselves and be cautious, be vigilant, don't be stupid, you know. Don't hoard the toilet stuff. paper like there's no reason for that. But you know, I and I'm seeing an increased number of people uh through social media saying, "Hey, I now have a direct contact with someone who has the virus." Hey, you know, my family member has it. You know, I was at an area where it was exposed, you know, so it's becoming more and more of an issue, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Just stay safe. Wash your goddamn hands. Don't touch your face. Don't be like Ben Carson. Just. Or you can just do what I do. So. The U.S. CDC Center for Disease Controls claims that in order for hand sanitizer to work, in order for it to work properly, it needs to be, yes, in order for it to be effective, it needs to be 60% alcohol by volume. So why don't we just cut out the middleman and drink until we are 60% alcohol by volume? Can you imagine if your blood alcohol was (laughs) 0.60? 
He has more booze now than man. And hashtag goals. Yeah. You'd be <laughs> dead. You'd be dead. Wouldn't have the coronavirus, though. That is true. And uh, like Captain Or anything else. The uh, orange dipshit said today, uh, people are dying who have never died before. <laughs> so just want you to know how serious it is. I mean, that kind of sounds like the conversation that you had with your dad, though, about it. I did. So <laughs> I was talking with my parents, trying to make sure that they had the supplies that they need. This is you, about you a week being ago. a good, right. doubtful, do- doting, doting side. Doting isn't quite the word did, I'd use. Did, doting did, is like when you're like spoiling your kids and you're very, that's not. I was being a dutiful son. That's a word. Um, that's both a of word. my brothers also checked in on my parents. You know, my... You know, there's a toilet paper shortage, so my middle brother was like, hey, Dad, here's some Charmin. I don't use that. That's too soft. I don't like it. And so he turned down toilet paper. Um, I called them to make sure they were doing all right, and my dad's like, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm okay. Uh, I'm not worried about this. I have a strong immune system. And I was like, you died. You had a heart attack. You died. You had to be resuscitated. There was like 45 minutes of defibrillation and six EMTs. Like, you might think that that factors in a little bit. You know, so take that into account. So so technically, <laughs> what dipshit said. dipshit said... yeah. It's correct. Well, people are dying who have never died before. You know, like that's usually the way it works. There are, I mean, there are exceptions to these rules. So technically, it's like you know, kind of correct. It's like the scene uh, with James Franco in (laughs) *Ballad of Buster Scruggs*. First time, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, stay safe. I. But we want to hear from you guys. So if you had *The Shining*. What would you do with it? What would you use it for? Would you use it for good, or would you use it for evil? Chaotic neutral. That I mean, that that's sounds, always fun. <laughs> that sounds like a good one. Um, but yeah, like the Deadpool of The Shining. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely cha- chaotic neutral. The, the the Harley Quinn of Shining. Yeah. Although we, I think we see a little bit of that in uh, Doctor Sleep. But yeah, let us know. Shoot us a message on. Uh, Facebook or on other social media platforms. I mean, it's not like you have anything else better to do right now. Yeah, think about all the different ways you'd use The Shining and send us an email at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Wait, that's not it is. Yeah, throwdownthursdaypodcast yeah, okay. We have a couple gmail. of... Yeah, throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. I was confusing it with something If you want to know where you can find us, you can just go to throwdownthursdaypodcast.com. Yeah, and read some articles, look at some... Uh, find all of our social media. We got to post more stuff to that. We don't do that enough. Well, we're going to have some time, so... Um, so, yeah, so that's that um when we come back we'll take a quick break we'll play some uh shining related music and when we come back we're going to talk about danny torrance deadly grounds coffee knows how important your coffee is to you every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest deepest smoothest flavor you'll ever find we're coffee freaks too and deadly serious 
about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings, children of the night. You are hereby invited to attend the Dorkening Network's 8-part crossover event, Dorkvania. It all starts with the Dorkening on Sunday, March 8th, with a live show kicking off this ambitious endeavor. Then continues on March 11th, when the Dorks will again be live to discuss the Castlevania Anniversary Video Game Collection. Then, on March 12th, Throwdown Thursday will be giving all the grave details about the Belmont family, along with a special guest, followed by Super Retro Throwback Reviews covering games 1 through 4 on the original Nintendo on March 15th. On March 17th, tune in to Retro Redoctopus for their episode breaking down the music of Castlevania. Then catch the AmalgaCast on March 20th to get caught up on the Netflix anime. Followed by Boobs, Blood, and Bad Asses covering the bloody history of the Castlevania franchise on March 22nd. Each episode will be dropping a part of a secret phrase that you must piece together in order to win some fabulous Castlevania prizes. And the series wraps up on March 25th with another live Dorkening podcast. Make sure to follow along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to find out how to win. We promise this event won't suck. We know what's at stake. Wait, who wrote this? I'm better with Patsy. Play! Dorkvania, this month on the Dorkening Network. If you miss it, you must be bad. Oh, come on! And we are back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that uh, particular selection of uh, of music. Um, I just thought instead of I was going to play the, uh, the the shining theme, but instead I wanted to go with some fun music that kind of is tangentially tangentially uh, uh, attached to the shining. So REM is my jam, Holmes. <laughs> Whatever you say, mittens. Um, so My yeah, we are. Not mittens. We are talking today uh, about Danny Torrance, who we were first introduced to in the 1977 Shining novel by Stephen King, of course. And Danny is a young kid. He's what five in the. He's five in the book. In the film, I believe he's seven. So he's a little older. And he knows all about cannibalism because he watched it on the television. How uh, else would you learn about cannibalism? First-hand experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was at the Donner Party. Yeah, it's like a Donner Party and everyone's invited. So the the Shining takes place at the Overlook Hotel in uh, Colorado, Sidewinder, Colorado, which uh, is also the site... 
of uh, or it's a real hotel, right? The Stanley Hotel, I believe, in Estes Park, which is not too far from the real life town of South Park. So if you were <gasps> in Casa Bonita, you can go to Casa Bonita up there. Yes, Casa Bonita, Casa Bonita. but as I was say, it takes place Bonita relatively close the to the uh, same uh, in the in the same vicinity as uh, Misery. Because they're in, um, Paul Sheldon is in Sidewinder, I believe. I'd have to reread the book, but I believe he's in Sidewinder when he goes off the road. So did Stephen King, like, vacation to that part frequently? He went Because he tends to write about what he knows. Yeah, there's a lot of Maine, a lot of Florida, now that he's older, and a lot of, um, not a lot, but Colorado. Because, I mean, he's also written about, like, the Worcester area, Boston, you know, like, places that he's he's Well, he's an with. avid Red Sox fan, so you he know. does travel back and forth a lot. But he went to this hotel, and he stayed at this hotel, and it inspired him to, you know, write this novel because he had some spooky experiences. One thing that I do like is they had to change the, uh, the room number. Right? It was 217 in the book. But the hotel didn't want people saying like, oh, well, we don't, you know, we don't want people either A, staying there and trashing the place or B, not staying there because they're freaked out. So let's change the room number entirely. There was a film festival. I don't know if it's still going, but the Stanley Film Festival would uh, screen movies up there. Oh, that's pretty rad. I I wanted to go there at some point, but I don't know. Does it have that carpeting? I mean, that you I, know the carpeting I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about the purple and green in the bath in oh, room 237? That, that oh, were, God. Like, I was flipping in out lo- over? Room 237 in the film is amazing. I love the carpeting. It has... Purple furniture. The pinky purple furniture. Like, I'm obsessed. It's but, purple and, and, like, deep green. Like, oh, the whole aesthetic. And oh, I... F- Freaking love Everybody it. talks about the orange and brown carpet because that's the iconic oh, no, it, thing. Right. Like that, that's iconic. But like there's something, well, you know, we know what that looks like. But when they went into room 230, you know, when Danny went into room 237. Jack, when Jack goes in there because you Jack, don't see Danny you, really go in there. Oh, right. Because right. Jack when was Jack, going in yes. and the woman comes up out yeah, of the Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. When, when they, when they, you actually see the interior of 237, I was just like, dude, I'm sold. Like, why can't I find prints of that anywhere? Yeah, like that would like I would totally like that. I whole want like aesthetic. a scarf, sweater, carpet, prints, whatever curtains, you name it. I want it. Print of that carpet. You know, that is a, like just to get off topic for a moment. That is a really iconic. Uh, like I wanted to get the cardigan of that. Um, that that design. And they've I've seen so many things with that design. I've seen. Purses, totes, well, shoes. Some with of that our design. some of our friends, our, our buddy uh, Bob Mendel has the uh, either the scarf, scarf or the shirt. Yeah, and our buddy filmmaker Marcus oh, Slabin. Marcus has, has the scarf. He has the scarf, and he wore it to Dead of Autumn. Right. Oh, he looked really fabulous. Yeah, like that scarf. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think I think Bob, who Bob is in, has the shirt like the has, dress shirt. He has the nice button up shirt from. Uh, he's he's from. Uh, the box it came from the 508 studios one of the greatest montage scenes you'll ever see in a film but <clears throat> yeah he's got the uh, dress up shirt it's from uh, middle of beyond they have like all the horror theme stuff so they don't sponsor us but i really want one of their sweaters mm. so 
Yeah. Especially that that cardigan. Like I'm not a big sweater guy, but like I'm as I'm getting older, I'm turning into a sweater guy, and I think that would just really look good. And I would I would like to like have a cardigan. That. Yeah, the cardigan the, sweater. And it's a nice design. You can wear it anywhere. So even if you're not around people who are horror fans, like they'll be like, "Oh, that is a delightful sweater," and you'll have to have an ascot. So. Speaking you of which, I saw have an ascot. I saw somebody and their ass got knocked out over a, a fight in uh, Walmart for some toilet paper. But that was uh, just an excuse to use ascot in a sentence. But yeah, so Danny Torrance <laughs> is uh, he's running around. He's a little kid and he has an imaginary friend because as a young child, he doesn't quite understand how the shining works, what it is. And here's like one of the key differences because Stephen King is not a huge fan of the adaptation that came out in 1980 that Kubrick put out uh, and we're not going to get into oh Kubrick faked the man- moon landing and there's the proof because Danny oh, no. wears an Apollo 11 sweater oh, oh, we're not getting into that we're not getting into that <laughs> really that's a that's a thing that is a thing Stanley Kubrick supposedly faked the moon landing because they saw him uh, they saw how great he made uh, uh 2001 A Space Odyssey, which came out in 1968, the Apollo 11 landed on the moon July 20th, 1969. They're like, oh, we're going to have Stanley Kubrick do everything. And then so Danny running around with the Apollo 11 sweater that he wears, that's supposed to be like, oh, there it is. He's he's admitting to it like that's the Easter egg. Like that's the it's like, no, it shouldn't stop. That's so. Yeah. It yeah. Stop with yeah. that. So, in the in the in the book uh, or in the movie, because a lot more people are, f- are more familiar with the the movie, we'll start with that. Dan and like you were doing the impression earlier. Danny talks. Well, I mean, like they couldn't see my finger, right? But you were doing the impression because Danny talks like Would a you normal like kid. To see my finger, and then when I'll show you a finger Trebek, <laughs> and then when they're uh, when he's talking as Tony, he moves his index finger up and down almost like he like a puppet and fun fact danny lloyd that's the actor the little boy who plays danny torrance did that in his audition unprompted and so it wasn't written like that uh i I don't even know yeah it wasn't a kubrick thing at all but obviously stanley kubrick liked what he saw and kept it in the film because it not only you know the voice but him doing the finger really differentiated between Danny, the boy, and Tony, the alleged imaginary friend. Yeah, the 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 way the power manifested in the book. And I know I I, I hate to sound like one of those people, but like we're doing a compare and contrast thing because there's a lot of differences between. There's the two. a lot, and this is one of the major ones. Tony manifests as an adolescent or a young a young man, maybe late teens, early twenties, and. He, you know, kind of hovers around and talks to him and refers to him as Doc. And and fun fact, uh, you, you told me something interesting about Danny's full name earlier today. Yeah, so his full name is Daniel Anthony Torrance. So that's where Tony comes from. Yeah, Tony, uh, I, I don't remember if they get into it exactly like that. He, he probably came to him and said, I'm Tony. And what's if you've seen the USA adaptation with Stephen Weber and um, 
Rebecca De Mornay, I believe, was the is that played the mini Wendy. series? Yeah, the 90, two like the two part seven, I think. Yeah, the two part series back when Steven Weber was on Wings, and that was just like oh my God, Wings. My parents used to watch Wings. And I forget the kid, but like he was in a few other things around that time. Um, he, uh, it's the, the he. You can see the kid, but it turns out that it's Danny from the future talking to uh young Danny like kind of guiding him through where he needs to go because he went through this traumatic experience and he kind of guides him in a way that makes sense and and kind of helps him through it because he remembers how traumatized he was but it's it's weird it's weird and they don't like get into that in the film they skip a lot of the stuff in the film you know they just we just know that he has this gift so we don't know in the so if you've if you've only seen the film you don't know that it's supposed to be danny from the future coming back to warn him about the things he's going to and you'd also experience like you just think that it's this gift that he has and you also really don't yeah because it seems like like you know, I see dead people. I can see stuff that happened in the past. You know, like the, uh, you know, when he sees the twins in the hallway. What you don't get, because, and I hate the fact that this line is in there. Uh, when Jack goes to sit at the bar after Wendy accuses him of, you know, hurting Danny, because Danny gets attacked by the woman in the bathtub in room 237. He goes and he sits at the bar and he said, I'd give my goddamn soul for, or I'd give my soul for a goddamn glass of beer. And that's when Lloyd shows up. So a lot of people are like, oh, it's satanic. It's built on an Indian burial ground. That's what's going on. No, the shining itself, like the hotel itself, shines. Right. Yeah. And the hotel is feeding off of his. It's an entity unto itself. It's an otherworldly entity. Right. The hotel is feeding off of his wants and his desires. And as he continues to kind of fall down this rabbit hole, so to speak, the hotel is able to feed off of him even more. Right. It's feeding off his misery and slowly taking him over. Jack Torrance goes crazy. But what I think is interesting is in the novelization of the film, uh, Jack and Wendy don't know about Tony. No. There is no imaginary friend. So it's kind of interesting in the film adapt- adaptation that this whole imaginary friend, Tony, plays a big part. Right. And it's so like, you know, the whole like when Danny has the breakdown, he sees all the things that happen and he's like, Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Yeah. They just think that he's, you know, ha- uh, just playing. They just think that he's, you know. He's a little boy who with- lives in my mouth. Right. And playing then he with hides his in my stomach. Um, imaginary friend. Not that he's having this almost i don't want to say psychotic break but you know it's seven, too- young uh film seven-year-old danny cannot really handle what the shining is showing him at that time it's almost like a dissociative identity disorder that's it yes Where- i knew that i knew there was a nice big eloquent when- scientific word it's like the alternate personality steps in to take the abuse because right. he can't handle it. Um, the thing that I, I one and of the things that I, I really. I don't mean to cut you off, but do you think that's why Tony, like like Danny, Tony comes from the future? Is it to, you know, kind of like protect himself 
from trying to lessen the experience? I think that's a little bit of it um, because we do – because I think it's – he went through it and then he was like, okay, let me see if I can fix this. Because it's – Stephen King kind of plays with some of the like alternate reality stuff, different dimensions. Well, he does a lot of that, but it's usually um, like what happened happened and has to happen a very specific way. But – I think with with that, I think it backfires because I think Danny knew what was going to happen to him in the future, and he was trying to stop that from happening. But in doing what he did, he then caused that to happen. Like the future that he it's, was trying to it prevent is, is, is what's same. called a temporal causality mm-hmm. loop. So it's like the song Iron Man by uh, Black Sabbath. So the Iron Man, not to be confused with Marvel's Iron Man, is sent back in time to prevent this cataclysm. But in doing so, like they say in the line, he was turned to steel in the great magnetic field. And that renders him unable to talk. And so he attempts to tell people or or convey to people what the problem is. And they just laugh at him or ignore him or just blow him off. And... In doing so, it creates uh, in him such anger and hatred that he causes the very thing he was sent back in time to prevent. You know, like Kyle Reese being sent back in time to become John Connor's father, but John Connor's the one who sends him back in time. Like, right? It's a it's a temporal causality loop. It's like you need to go back in time so you can be my dad. Please go bang my mom. Gross. Which is a weird way of thinking about it. <laughs> but that's but, ex- but yes. that's exactly yep. what it is. Yep. Here's a picture of my mom that I'm sure you're going to masturbate to forever. So I want to talk about some of the Shining that we do see in, in the Shining. So there's the Grady twins. Grady sisters. The Grady sisters, yes. Because they're eight and ten. And Stuart Ullman even mentions it at the beginning. Everyone calls them the Grady Twins because, A, they were played by sisters, B, they look a lot alike, and C, they're dressed exactly the same. They're not actually twins. They're two years apart. But, yes, that's a common misconception. But they, regardless, he, the Grady girls, uh, and he Here's sees- a story <laughs> of a man named Grady. He was living up in Colorado with his family, and he chopped them up. With an axe, and then the things. So he <laughs> sees what happens to them. He sees. He sees them a couple of times. Like yeah, but he sees them in their whole state. Yeah, he sees them you know, uh, first in the game room. Us. They just like kind of sit there and stare at him while he's playing darts because you know you leave a seven year old alone to throw darts around. Absolutely. I mean, it's the eighties. Anything went. And. Then he sees him completely them different time when he's riding, and you and I both made the same comment when he's riding his big wheel oh through the hotel. Like God. that looks like so much fun. Okay, so sidestep. I always wanted a big wheel, but never had one. I this is one of the toys I did have as a kid. I had a Night Rider big wheel. Ooh, yeah. And then my brother ended up getting a, a different one. His was yellow and black, but I had a Night Rider fucking big wheel, and it was the best thing. And I loved it. 
I had a friend who had a Barbie one. I never had Power like all, Wheels. It was like dark pink and light pink and bedazzled and oh it was so great so she would let me ride hers occasionally and it oh it was always so much fun but yeah i always wanted one of my own so seeing this scene of him just free reign over this entire hotel mm-hmm. just writing and i actually really like the effect mind the stairs danny you know the the sound effect of him being on. You know it's really quiet when he's on the carpeting, and then really loud when he's on. And it's like um, they did something to really kind of like elevate that. Yes, like they they focused on that, which is kind of you know there I, are a I lot just of really, really like that scene. Long one take shots that Kubrick does. Well, he's that are known amazing. for that. Like Stanley Kubrick is known for his you know direction, you know his specific style and how unbelievably difficult he was to work with because of of his vision you know he wanted things exact and he didn't care how many takes it took you know yeah and he like by the end of the uh, end of the shoot like Shelley Duvall was losing her hair like he made Scatman Crothers cry because they did the axe to the chest scene like 70 fucking times but but what was um kind of cool about stanley kubrick though so this was danny lloyd's first acting job and because he was so young stanley kubrick was highly protective of him so during the shoot of the movie uh danny lloyd the actor was under the impression that the film he was making was a drama not a horror film in fact when wendy carries danny away while shouting at jack in the colorado lounge she is actually carrying a life-size dummy of Danny, so Lloyd would not have to be in the scene and be witness to all of that. He only realized the truth several years later when he was shown a heavily edited version of the film. He did not see the uncut version of the film until he was 17, 11 years after he had made the film. Which is crazy because... He did such a good job of reacting like he was scared. Again, going back to him riding his big wheel through, and then all of a sudden he sees the Grady twins. I even said it right there. Yes. The Grady, the Grady sisters, uh, Jan and Marsha, and they are uh, they're standing in the hallway holding hands in that iconic scene. Mm-hmm. And you know we see it flashing to them after their <clears throat> accident. Oh, I see what you did there. Um, and Danny's like, you know, reacting like he's absolutely terrified. So, like, they really got to you would think that he that's what he's really seeing. Like, Danny Lloyd did a phenomenal job. Like, when people talk about this movie, obviously, they talk about how fucking good Jack was and how good the, the, the you know, cinematography was. But Danny Lloyd does a masterful job like there's nobody the, that's yeah, bad exactly. in this someone some of his reaction shots are haunting the scene where he's like having a seizure and drooling all over himself yes like that's it or the the red rum scene well, i was gonna say so what they actually did was play different music for him during some of these scenes to kind of set the mood almost you know, to to get a reaction out of him. So he wasn't seeing certain things. He didn't quite know exactly what he was reacting to, but they tried their best to play some music and set the mood so that he would feel the feelings that he was supposed to feel during those scenes. But 
the scene that gets me the most and we don't even really see Danny's interaction with this entity until Dr. Sleep is hold on I forget her name uh 237 217 um oh crap hold on it's she's in my notes I just she's on the tip of my tongue yeah everybody knows yeah uh, we're, we're talking obviously about Lorraine the, Massey yes Lorraine Massey uh, his reaction towards her and him trying to describe the lady who strangled him in from the bathtub, mm-hmm. like he, he nothing in that hotel terrified him more than her. Right, and you know, there's a a, a common theme that runs through all of uh, Stephen King's work, and we see it a lot actually in Game of Thrones as well. It's called a glamour. Like, to give you an idea... Uh, it's, Melisandre. Yeah, Melisandre, when she takes off her rubies, she shows her true form. Danny is able to see the true form of the hotel. He's able to see all the things that, you know, you can wipe away the blood, but you can't wipe away, like, the psychic imprint of what happened. You know, so when the hotel is getting more and more powerful towards the end of the film, you know, like, even Wendy sees some of this stuff. You know, and the hotel is doing a great job of slowly infiltrating Jack's mind. You know, because we see him, um, you know, succumb to drinking again because they talked about how he never drank. You know, he hadn't drank for months after he came home one night and Danny was, you know, messing around with his papers and he yanked Danny up off the ground and dislocated his shoulder. In the book, that is a much bigger deal and you get into much more detail about it because. Jack is Danny and Jack's relationship in the book is way better than it was in the movie. In the movie, they have almost it's no interaction. They have one scene together, really, like other in than the in the car. No, uh, I was going to say other than in the car. The scene where he goes up to his room and Jack's trying to sleep, but he can't sleep. And he's like, you'd never hurt me and mommy, would you? Like giving you the idea that. Danny knows something's wrong, but, like, you never really see them interact any other time. Like, it's those two scenes. But in the book, like, there's such a strong father-son, you know, dynamic, you know, and they, you know, that's ultimately what saves Danny's life at the end of the film. You know, Jack is able to overcome the hotel momentarily, overcome the the presence that the hotel is, you know, from seeping into his mind and corrupting him. And he's able to fight it off momentarily to let Danny escape. But And obviously that's not how it is in the film. No. Because both mother and child are trying to escape the... The, the hedge maze and the, you know, all the shit that's going on. Well, I mean, escape Jack. Yeah. And there's no hedge maze in the book. It's a topiary. Well, honestly, that's because um, Kubrick didn't want to have to deal. Yeah, he didn't want to have to deal with special effects and any. I'm not exactly quite sure what the quality of special effects, you know, like the top quality special effects available. This is three years. This is three years after Star Wars came out. I mean, but but still, Empire Strikes Back came that year. 
Um, he just didn't want to have to deal with any of the special effects to bring those topiary animals to life. That would have so. been a little more difficult. Um, but so, I mean, hence, hence the whole hedge mage thing. We know that hedge Kubrick Jamaza. is good with special effects, as in 1968's. Oh, right, you know, right. Uh, we know that, but he just he because it hadn't really been used much. Like it had a lot of practical effects in this film. Oh yeah, pretty much. Every, not, like there was no CGI. Yeah, like, and they used takes miniatures. But but no, it's obviously. Jack Torrance doesn't have that momentary momentary relapse of of you know or or lapse of of judgment, and he doesn't you know have that moment where he's like, "Oh, my son," you know that that doesn't happen in the film. It's just like you know, I'm gonna kill my family now. Yeah, like they pre- they present Jack as just like the whole time, like he's already off the deep end. He's already a jerk. Like you see a little bit of it in. His performance, like, even when they're driving back, like, he's an asshole. Like, it's it's like, oh, I'm hungry. Well, you should have eaten your breakfast. Like, it's a five-hour drive. Like, you have a six-year-old in your car, like, and for a five-hour drive. Who's not buckled in, by the way? Again, it was the 80s. It was a different time. Yeah, I always uh, Like, my beginning of the on. 80s. So this was probably filmed in 79, you know? 78, 79, most likely. Completely yeah. a different time. We weren't worried as about as, as, as much as we are now. But anyways, so we know that Danny and Wendy survive in both mediums. Yeah, in both uh, both book and movie, they both get away. It's a little different because Dick Halloran does not die at the end of uh, the book. And, you know, he moves to Florida with them and they, they live in Florida. So when we transition from, like, all the shit that Danny saw as a kid, like what he went through in the Overlook Hotel... Uh, it's no surprise that he is absolutely messed up. And as an adult, you know, he is heavy into drugs. He is heavy into, ooh, excuse me, heavy into booze. You know, that's part of it is he just wants to dull his his abilities and doesn't want to, you know, manifest because we see at the beginning of Dr. Sleep that, you know, he is... Even though the they're away from the hotel, it's almost like the ghosts and the spirits have latched onto him. They're they're a part of him at this point. And Dick Halloran shows up to kind of teach him how to. We're not going to like get into super heavy spoilers here, but we're just going to yeah, give you a it's little still bit. Still pretty recent, and if you have not seen Doctor Sleep, it's oh really good. Oh my goodness, you really need to. They do a really good job of kind of tying the movie and the book together and making this a, uh, like a spiritual sequel to both of them but we we see dick, dick halloran yeah. is almost like danny torrance's or now now it's dan dan torrance it's like his spirit guide yeah you that's know, that's uh, a good like he's he, teaching him how, it's almost like his conscience at some points it's his jiminy cricket yeah well they, we get to see at the beginning like when you know something happens with danny um where he he's goes to the bathroom and the uh, uh, Massey is in there. Yep. And you know she terrifies him to the point where, he, like in the book, he tells his mother, "Don't 
don't use the bathroom. And she calls Dick Halloran to come see them. In the uh, in the movie, because we saw Dick die at the at the end of the first film, he appears to Danny as a shining ghost. Right, because we know that with certain cases of The Shining, especially Danny's case, he has the ability to, you know, for lack of better terms, see dead people. Yeah. He can talk to, you know, their their soul, their entity. You know, they may have left the physical world, but they have not left it spiritually. So he can, you know, have, he can communicate with ghosts, ultimately. Um, we find out that this is not uncommon well i was gonna say but before that we find that dick halloran is working with danny or dan ewan mcgregor at this point you know um no i'm still in the part where he's where he's a kid the kid okay yeah well you know he works with danny to pack away box up yes and this these, is these entities, these spirits in his mind. And this is something similar that we see uh, in another Stephen King story, uh, Dreamcatcher, where the kids who are uh, exposed to Duddits uh, get their own uh, abilities awakened. They all have different ones. Like, you know, Pete can see where, you know, like somebody lost their keys or something like that. Um, you know, Jonesy has an excellent sense of direction, you know, th- things like that. Um, very similar to what we see in it, in the novel. But um, we find out that this, this ability is, uh, to, you know, to converse with the dead or have the dead continually come back and torment you if they tormented you in life or if you were you know, powerful enough. Dick tells a story in both movie and book to Danny about how after his grandfather, who used to, you know, beat and abuse and molest him, uh, came back after he was dead. Like, he still saw him, and he would still come back and haunt him and and torment him. And his grandmother taught him how to lock them away in, like, a box and lock that box up in his mind. Again, similar to... Dreamcatcher, where they all had all of their memories in like a, you know, filing cabinets, you know, hundreds and hundreds in, in an office, just thousands of filing cabinets. And they were able to hide their thoughts in certain places. But if a powerful psychic got a hold of them, they would be able to read all of their thoughts, you know, simply by, oh, they're organized by, you know, you know, alphabetized or numerical or, or chronologically. So it's a similar concept, you know, again, King touches a lot of this. this Which stuff. is kind of interesting because it's almost like um, putting things, if you have difficulty with memorization and stuff, it's actually a, a, a memorization tool, trick that they teach you, yes. you know put this in, you know, organize this, put this in this file, put this in that. Obviously, your brain doesn't have files, but sometimes if a person can envision, you know, as they're learning something, legit filing it away in a file cabinet or, or you know, putting it in a box or what have you in their brain, they can remember it better because it's just a different way of them thinking about 
remembering this certain thing. Jonathan Harris does a very similar thing with uh, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter has a memory palace, you know, as he walks through, like when he's being held, you know, in in uh, captivity. Um, he can walk through this memory palace, and there's like, oh, these statues. And they, he created it, and you know, like there's statues here, and it's very real to him because he had such a vivid, uh, eidetic memory. I'm going to start doing that with my free time. You should. Sorry, guys. This episode's going to be cut short. I need to go build my memory palace. So, I don't think the... Uh, I, I have a joke for... It's kind of a political thing. I know we don't normally do that, but I was going to say, I don't I don't think uh, the orange dipshit could even build a blanket fort. <laughs> Oh my God! Speaking of blanket forts, if you are not taking this opportunity, if you do, if you're self quarantined, if you don't have to go into work, if all of your plans, events, what have you, have been canceled, if you have not built a blanket fort with your free time, what the hell are you doing with your Get life? Get on that, build blanket forts and send Seriously. us pictures. So, you know, we see Dan as he as he travels through life. We see him. Um, build up his store. Like the first one he does is is Massey. He takes Massey and and that was kind of a that was probably the biggest one for him. Yeah, it was the first one. And you know, in the book, he also sees uh, Delbert Grady. He sees you know all these other ghosts uh, that followed him from the Overlook, and he's able to lock them up. At one point, that he almost locks Dick up, not intentionally, but almost. Um, I haven't read the entire book. I haven't finished the Doctor Sleep book, but the beginning is very similar. Except, you know, Dick is dead as opposed to alive in the the book. He's dead in the movie, but we get to see you know Danny really branching out and meeting other psychics. Like he has this whole you know super long distance conversation with someone he doesn't know. Like, I think he can figure out who Abra is. But even, Um, yeah, but even before that, you know, we see him, he's self-medicating. He goes to AA in order to try to... He goes to to AA after because he hooks up with a woman uh, at a bar and they do a ton of coke. They drink themselves into oblivion. And it turns out that she has a kid, and in both movie and book, uh, she aspirates her own vomit, dies, and he just, like, takes all her money and leaves, even though Dick's pleading with him, like, don't, you know, don't take all their money, they need to eat, and he's like, well, she should have thought about that before she, you know, when she used all my money to buy Coke, and this, and he rationalizes it, like, he's almost arguing with himself, but he's he's really arguing with, you know, Dick Halloran's spirit, and he decides, you know what, fuck it, I'm taking all her money and I'm leaving. And because she dies, the child dies as well. So he is responsible for these two deaths and he continues to see these things haunting him. They're not haunting him like, uh, you know, the ghosts from the Overlook. It's more like your conscious, yes. you know, it, it's weighing heavily on him in a way that he didn't anticipate and he realizes that he needs to be a better person, which is why he decides to go to AA. But in between all of this, he gets contacted by Abra, 
Yes. Who is this young girl who has the shining and she probably shines brighter than anybody. She's, she's much more she's powerful. She's so incredibly powerful. She's way more powerful than Danny ever was or even Dick Halloran. Granted, Danny, in Danny the f- was stronger than Halloran. In the book. And in the movie. But was he in the film? Yeah. I, I could never... Like, they don't really, like, talk about power levels because they don't... But Danny is able... it's not a video game, so it Well, no, really they just because he totally changed the narrative of the story from King's novel. But he is able to, while he's having that seizure, transmit thoughts from fucking Sidewinder, Colorado to Florida. No, that's true. Like, that's true. That's why Dick Halloran drives, well, flies and then drives out to the Overlook. Yeah. So he's able to he's able to do uh, to do he that. He doesn't drive from Florida. That would be one hell of a drive. He wouldn't have made it there in time. Don't be reading my thoughts between 4 and 5. Now, one of the most traumatic things that uh when you were talking about that scene um because it, it the shining is so iconic. It of course has been parodied, and I do wanna, I do wanna play a, a quick clip, just to kind of cleanse our palates talking about uh, child murder and stuff. But I do wanna just quickly uh, play this because it's one of the more iconic scenes. And again, Danny didn't get to see this, um, and. This kind of really is the precipitating event to Wendy deciding, okay, it's time to go. But uh, this is a little different version of how how it went down. Hello! Uh, What do you think, Marge? All I need is a title. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something something. Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! And we do get to see this scene reenacted almost, you know, verbatim, or at least the actions of, uh, in the the movie, the actions of... um, what is her name that plays Rose the Hat? That's going to bug me. I can't think of her name. I, I, can't, I don't remember the actor's but, name. Uh, we'll look it up real quick. But she's doing the exact same thing to Danny that Jack did to um, to Wendy, like coming up the stairs menacingly, like the arm gestures, everything. And it's almost like um, he is... Like the the ho- because we do see, we do see him. Uh, it's Rebecca Ferguson. We do see Jack Jack Torrance in the hotel, manifesting as a ghost, even though he doesn't realize who he is. Um, which is weird, but that's when you know Danny realizes he's following in his footsteps, and it's this really awesome scene. And Ewan McGregor is just brilliant in it when. You know, he's talking about taking a drink because, again, this scene mirrors what we saw Jack go through when Danny was a kid. You know, he's being offered this drink by this ghost, and he just he can't bring himself to drink it. He comes close a couple of times, 
You know, we even see him calling out to Tony for help uh, a couple of times. But, you know, obviously Tony's not there. Tony is actually, at this point, the younger version of Danny. So we get to see Danny do some new stuff in this as well. I don't want to give it away because it's a pivotal plot point, but it's a lot more than long-distance communication and, you know, kind of sensing where things have uh, gone awry. We also see Danny Torrance or Dan Torrance, Ewan McGregor, use his shining for for good in a way. He uses it when working because he takes a position at a nursing home and he gets the name Dr. Sleep, Mm -hmm. hence the name of the book, the name of the film, because he helps. I don't know if it's like a nursing home or a hospice. It's a hospice. You know, these, uh, these people, you know, they're, they're, they're dying and there is this cat there and we learn that animals can also have the shining as well. Cat's or, name is Mittens. <laughs> the cat's name is not Mittens. It's Azzy, short for Azriel. Um which makes sense, the yes. angel of death. Yeah. But uh this cat goes and sleeps on the bed of a person before they pass. And now this cat does not sleep on anybody else's bed any other time. It's when that person is going to pass the cat goes and sleeps on that person's bed. And what Dan Torrance does is it's almost like they're working together. Dan will go and visit that person and talk to them and help them pass peacefully. Yeah. And helps them cross over to pretty almost like cross over to the other side and talks them through it. And talks to their soul as they're in the process of passing. It's actually some quite beautiful scenes. Yeah, he's he's essentially like taking away their pain and like making them relive positive memories. Because, you know, we see the first guy, like he's afraid. But Danny uses his, his shining to like, oh, you know, think about this. And he was able to bring these memories up to the forefront. Because he's able to see when someone's about to die. And he talks about this uh, at the um, when he's in the bar scene. Yep. Uh, talking to his father, the bartender, and he's su- saying how, like, his mother, when his mother was dying, like, her face would be swarmed with black flies. You know, that's how it manifested in the sh- in his in- with the shining. And he wasn't able to look at her, and she knew that he knew something, but he wouldn't say anything. So, mm-hmm. and we get to see this. Uh, we see people's souls or their essences leaving their bodies, um, the top knot, or I think that's what they're called. Yes. Top knot, something like that. They uh, they refer to it as steam, and that's what they use. They're like energy they vampires. They feed off of it, yeah. Yeah, they're like psychic vampires. They feed off of that that ability, which, again, is a common thing we see in other Stephen King stories. Well, and they re- they they make reference to, you know, when when becoming aware of Dan Torrance, you know, why haven't we been aware of you before? And I think it's because he spent so long trying to repress. Yes. The sh- uh, you know, he wasn't trying to like this little girl Abra who is one of the main, you know, one of the main characters of Doctor Sleep. Uh one of the most powerful shiners shiners steamers um you know uh 
he suppressed it after the overlook, after dealing with everything, you know, him and Dick Halloran in the back of his mind, you know, worked to suppress the shining and, you know, so he could live. Yeah. I think life, I think Dick, um, his life was saved by Dick. Um, (laughs) Because we see, like, the little kid that, you know, is really good at baseball gets, you know, he's not aware that he's using this power. And that's a brutal fucking scene uh, when he gets killed. Okay, so fun fact about that scene, by the way. I'm not going to get into too much detail. But the actor who played Abra was so, and a couple of the other kids were so affected by this certain death scene and the actor who was involved with this this kid who was involved with this death scene was completely unfazed by it at all you know not at all so everyone's reacting around him like oh my god like i i i'm you know cuz young actors you know sometimes can't fathom can't handle you know sometimes even as adult adults watching these scenes and stuff you know sometimes we can't fathom or or handle certain situations well so you have these young actors who are reacting to the acting that is happening and this young actor the baseball player just kind of you know when they yell cut he just gets up and yells cool are we done and then just runs off to go get snacks at the craft service table yeah, I mean, well, that's fair. like the young actor uh, playing Abra and a couple of the other kids were just like, "What did I just see? What am I watching? Oh my god! Like this scene is horrible! Like what? What? What's going on?" The kid who was actually doing the acting was just fine with it. Uh, if you know the scene that I'm talking about, it will make more sense. It's to throw to super vague terms because I was uh, I was curious. The kid who played young uh, Danny Torrance in the 1997. Shining miniseries also was in Hellraiser Bloodline. He was the voice of a puppy in Babe. He was in a couple. He was in an episode of Rugrats. He was in uh, Hercules, the TV show, the animated animated one. Uh, ER, NYPD Blue. He was in Recess. I don't know. Uh, I never watched that show, but he played Gus Griswold. And he was also in, um, what was the other one? The Little Rascals. So that's where you might know him from. But, yeah, going back to to some of the things that Dan can do. And, again, we don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything because there's some really impressive, like even some of the bad guys, you know, they even say, like, wow, never seen this before. And, you know, it's one of those things where it shows how powerful Dan could be. But I think... Dan was being protected by uh, by Dick Halloran's presence. And what we also don't know is whether Dick Halloran's presence was aware of this group of traveling, shining energy vampires that were looking for the next meal. And so he was trying to protect Danny in you know his own way, or if it was just coincidence. With Stephen King stuff, you never know, but usually these type, you know, Dick knew that there were other people that could shine, and so he may have been, like, looking out, because he kind of took on that role of, like, grandfather. Yeah, he was definitely a father figure. Um, 
especially in in the in the book like he takes over that role of again not father because Jack was a decent dad to Danny in the books he's not like the full-blooded raving psychopath that he is in the movie that's why it was so easy for him just to get you know all it took was a slight push for him to go over the edge um whereas and you you don't really you see a little bit of it like if you're looking for it and you know where you're uh where you're looking for it like book jack starts researching the horrible history of the overlook and at one point you know the uh the scene where wendy comes in and you know it was like oh maybe i'll you know, maybe later let me read something like he's got all these research books open. You can see like old newspaper clippings and stuff that's supposed to show that movie Jack was doing the same thing. But like they never discuss it. It's never mentioned. It's just him pounding away at the at the keyboard on the on the typewriter. So. So what is your impression of like where uh, Danny ranks as far as some of the other uh like movie psychics that you've seen I think well especially with Dr. Sleep not so much with The Shining because he's young and doesn't really I, I think that especially in the film he's not 100% sure what it is Mm-hmm. Whereas as an adult, you know, having the guidance from Dick Halloran, he was able to, you know, and I mean, granted, you know, despite the trying to repress it and stuff, uh, he had a pretty good understanding of it. And the end of Dr. Sleep, it's kind of his, I want to say, redemptive arc, for lack of better Term? No, that that, that makes, makes sense. sense because he spent so long cutting himself off that he could have been helping. He could have been helping guide. people, and he could have been yeah. So he, you know, and ultimately, that's what he does. He becomes Dick Halloran, a version of Dick Halloran for somebody else. Yes, and is able to use his shining to guide and enable and help somebody else. Right. So where he, I don't really know. I've never really thought about that. Like as far as I'm not, I'm not saying power level. I'm saying like how interesting you find their stories. Oh, I find it very interesting. But again, it wasn't really so much in the shining uh, as much as it was Dr. Sleep. Yeah. I think that the 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 shining was more Jack's descent into madness. Right. Which is why, you know, if we were just talking about the shining, we would be talking about Jack Torrance, but because we're focusing on both films, you know, we, get a really great character evolution of Danny Torrance you know Danny Lloyd portraying him as seven-year-old Danny and then Ewan McGregor portraying him as I forget how old he was but probably maybe like late 30s early 40s um Danny I'd say he's in his 40s um so you know we see uh, at the beginning of Doctor Sleep, you know, some of the filling in of the gaps, which we kind of talked about a little bit. So you get a pretty full story, a pretty full understanding of who Danny slash he's dead now, Torrance. And 
well, think he's a really interesting character. Even the kid that played him, his name's Roger Dale Ford, uh, Floyd, sorry, in um, in Doctor Sleep, did a pretty good job of kind of capturing what Danny Lloyd did. Um, I think he did a good job. Right, and whoever portrayed Shelley Duvall's character in Doctor Sleep did a really good job too. Uh, Alex Esso. Um, just like her, Shelley Duvall is, uh, she's almost imitable. Like you can't imitate her, especially in this film. You know, she, her, her actions and whatnot are just, she's one of those super memorable characters. Stephen King would think it's for all the wrong reasons because he didn't like the film adaptation, adaptation of The Shining. Blonde and attractive. You know, and obviously film version was was far from it. Um, But I love Shelley Duvall in The Shining. I think she's one of my favorite characters. Um, There's just a a way that Shelley Duvall approached the approached playing Wendy that was just a, a yeah we're not talking about her though um but the the actor who played her in Doctor Sleep did a really good job yeah okay, so long story short that's what I'm trying to say the actor who played her did a really good job yeah because you had some big shoes to fill even um Henry Thomas who played you know Jack Torrance in the bar you know um you know when Danny was sitting there. He did an amazing job, but it wasn't necessarily Jack. It was supposed to look like him, but it wasn't him. Right, but it exactly. was it was supposed to be it, Jack. It, yeah, to it Dan. was. Uh, well, especially because they were in the Overlook Hotel again. Right. You know, it was the hotel communicating to Danny. Yeah, yeah. I, I think everyone who had to come back and play a, a similar character that had already been played did a great job. So. But yeah, I, I think Danny's got one of the more interesting psychic awakening stories. Um, it's not like a Carrie or a um, Firestarter where she just, you know, devastates and destroys everything. Right, like he doesn't really snap. Right. He doesn't have that moment where he doesn't realize his own strength and, you know, abilities and just causes complete devastation but it, he doesn't do that but i think the reason why he doesn't do that again is because of dick halloran right he's got dick halloran kind of guiding him carrie had carrie her, had a crazy mother her insanely religious mother and they're all gonna laugh at you charlie and firestarter had the government guy that had gained her trust and was like pushing her to do bad things Right. So if they had been in a different situation, if they had had someone like a Dick Halloran to kind of, you know, help them hone their abilities and just kind of remain a little stable, remain calm, think things through, you know, it may have been a different story. Right. But I mean, Carrie is one of my favorites, too. You know, Stephen King stories of, of all time. And it's probably one of my favorite adaptations as well. Um but yeah, so I think as far as that goes, especially in the Stephen King realm, Danny Torrance is a do-gooder through and through. And yeah. I think he is powerful, but he never really realized his full potential 
because he never let it get that far. Right. He never he never like came out and was like, I'm gonna. You know. He push he myself. actually did quite the opposite. He drank and turned to other devices to suppress it. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, what we'll do, we'll take a quick break, uh, and we'll play another uh, Shining-related song when we come back. And uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up. We have a new battle and a uh, preview of uh, what's coming up. So stay right there. <laughs> Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Well, Tomatoa hasn't always been this glam. I was a drab little crab once. Now I know I can be happy as a clam because I'm beautiful, baby. Did your granny say, listen to your heart? Be who you are on the inside. I need three words to tear her argument apart. Your granny lied. I'd rather be shiny like a treasure from a sunken pirate wreck. Scrub the deck and make it look shiny. And we are back. So, yeah, another uh, shiny-ish shining uh, song to uh, kind of put you from in the Moana. Mood. Oh, we should watch Moana. I, I, I don't Moana. I, I want a Moana. I don't Moana. I Moana. I don't Moana. But, uh, so I, I hope, Moana. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, she has a chicken. His name and is. And to quote Marshawn Lynch, he take, take care, care of y'all's chickens. chickens. Well, we don't have any chickens, which is, uh, it's a metaphor. But what I'm we do have, sure. what we do have, though, I'm rhyming. Yes, is a new battle. That's right. We have a new battle. Ashes. What is uh? What are the, what are the thoughts we have for the battle this week? So very topical. It's an open-ended kind of battle, so it's more of a poll per se. We want to know, seeing as you know the world is in quarantine right now, what is the one thing that you cannot live without? Now we're assuming in quarantine. We're assuming you have, you know, the all yeah, you have all your toilet paper, you have food, you have water, your pets have food. You know, everyone just... everyone is taken care of, everyone is satiated. What is that one extravagant thing that you can't live without? Are Basically, we talking like streaming services, 
um, your DVD collection or Blu-ray or what have you. The gaming system. You know, the, the, the one thing entertainment-wise or non-entertainment-wise that is getting you through this time. Right. Is it, you know, oh, I have my dog, I have my cat, I've got my PlayStation, you know, I have my tabletop games. You know, what is the one thing that you're like, What is the one thing that is keeping keeping you you sane? sane. Ooh, that was good. I knew that's what you were going to say. Like, we're on the same page sometimes. ESPN. I was going to say it's shining. You have the shining. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're shiny. Yes, I am the polished turd of this podcast. That's why I am shiny. And I am the knockoff Swarovski crystal. Yeah, it's uh, Morovsky. That's that's (laughs) why it's better, because it's more. Morovsky. But you you also have a wine fact that you want to talk about. So let's talk about some... So much a wine fact well, as an actual wines that I would like to talk about. Well, let's do that. So we recently, you may have seen the pictures, have had the opportunity to hang out with Mr. Ian Wallace of Amalgamania. He came up from Maryland to visit. We hung out with the Retro Red Octopus guys. We did a little podcast stuff. We hung out a little bit, ate a little nosh, had a little drink. It was a really good time. But in typical Amalgamania fashion, Ian Wallace did not show up empty-handed. He never shows up empty-handed. He's such a great guy. So he brought presents. And of course, to the Mistress of Merlot, he brought a present of the liquid kind. So I'm going to talk about that today because this was a really good wine. It is a red, so I'm taking a break from my quest for the perfect Chardonnay, the perfect buttery Chardonnay, to talk about this. Now, I have featured 19 crimes wine on here before, but this is a different red blend, and it is definitely worth talking about. So it is called The Uprising. It is a red wine that has been aged 30 days in rum barrels. Now, if you know me, you know I love red wine. And I love red wine that has been aged in oak barrels. Red rum! (laughs) Barrels! Red wine! Red wine! Um, And any time that these barrels have been previously used for other alcohols... It's just a bonus because it really adds to the flavor of the wines. You know, I've talked about Apothic Inferno, which is the Apothic red blend that has been aged in whiskey barrels. Yes, whiskey barrels, um, which adds a really great flavor to the wine. And this does pretty much a similar, similar thing. So the back of the bottle says the uprising, a new wine aged for 30 days in rum barrels pays homage to Australia's rum rebellion of 1808. Due to the government's hindering of the rum trade, the rebellion was the only time a group of soldiers and citizens banded together to overthrow the government. A portion of this handcrafted wine has been aged for 30 days in rum barrels 
and is dark with jammy flavors and a smoky finish. So something that's kind of cool about these wines, by the way, is if you go to their website and it says on the back of every label, 19crimes.com, the number 19crimes.com, these labels are interactive. So you use your, your cell phone, you go to the website, you type in your birthday because you know they want to make sure you're of age. And these labels come to life. They tell you stories about Australia's prohibition era and what have you. It's a lot of fun. You know, Augmented of reality. Yes. Yes. That's what it's called. Um, so it's a little something extra while you're drinking this really fantastic wine. But and if you're hammered and the bottle starts talking to you, you, <laughs> you know, know it's time to put it down. Sometimes you don't even need your phone. But this wine is really good. Good, like really good. So it's a typical red blend, nothing spectacular, but just a really great blend of different varietals of red. And it's aged for 30 days in rum barrels. I'm not exactly sure which type of rum that, uh, I mean, which brand of rum, I should say. I definitely know it's, it's a spiced rum because you get the nice, dry, fruity flavors on the front of your palate, but on the back of your palate, it's this smoky, brown, sugary, spicy taste that melds so weather, so well together with the f- dark, fruity jamminess of, of the red wine. So it works so well together. It's really delightful on the palate. It's dark and it's, you know, full bodied, full flavored little heavy, great for sipping, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So it's 19 Crimes, The Uprising, their red wine aged 30 days in rum barrels. So I have a, a, a fun science fact this week, and it maybe gives a little hope to future generations, should we have any. So <laughs> Asterisk. The plagues that wreaked havoc in Europe during the Middle Ages and killed tens of millions of people had an unexpected benefit. In 10% of all Europeans uh, who's, who are descendants of those who survived the plague, they are immune to the HIV virus, which I don't like that wording because the V in... HIV stands for virus. It's like people are like, oh, what's your PIN number? I need to go to the ATM machine. <sighs> that goes down. But anyways. Uh, the individuals in question carry a genetic mutation known as CCR5-A32, which affect, uh, prevents the virus from affecting their immune system. This is off of uh, letsgetsciency.com. That's where I got this. So, yeah. Even though tons of people got this, got various plagues, you know, most most notably the bubonic plague, um, plague swept through Europe. Um, it had the unexpected benefit of giving ten percent of all people a uh, an immunity to future viruses, or a specific virus. But HIV is a pretty devastating uh, uh, virus. I was going to try to come up with another word, but my thesaurus isn't working in my brain but that's what we've got um don't forget to continue checking out 
the uh, Dorkening shows. I played the promo earlier. Uh, we still have the shows that you want to listen to and check out because you want to win some fabulous Dorkening, uh, well, not Dorkening, but Dorkvania merch, which is uh, Castlevania stuff. Right. So this episode here, what we're recording today, drops on Thursday, March 19th. So you still have a couple of shows that you can check out. On March 20th, the Amalgacast will be talking about the Netflix anime. On March 22nd, Boobs, Blood, and Badasses will be talking about the bloody history of vampires. And everything will all come together on March 25th on the Dorkening Network believe it's going to be a live show for the event finale yep next wednesday now there are shows that you need to listen to that you may have missed so the dorkening kickoff event from march 8th will reveal the first, the first part phrase. of the secret yes. phrase the dorkening event from march 11th talking about the anniversary collection i believe that's the games yep that was on both of those shows uh, that will reveal the second part of this secret phrase. Our most recent episode, obviously, aside from this, so last week's episode, that's what it's called, of Throwdown Thursday, the episode titled Ring My Belmonts, we talked about the family Belmont. Mostly Trevor. Belmont, yeah, you know, but we talked about the Belmont family tree. We did. And just everything and anything Castlevania in general. With our great buddy and just all-around amazingly talented guy, James Lamont from It Came From The 508 Studios. And then... He actually gave our uh, segment of the phrase. Yes, yes. So that has part three. Part four of the super secret Castlevania phrase is featured on Super Retro Throwback Reviews. From March 15th, that is one through four, the early games. Yeah, the Nintendo series. And then Retro Redoctopus, our good buddies there, talked about the music of Castlevania, giving you part five of the secret phrase. And that just dropped two days ago. Right. That Yeah, this past Tuesday. It was Tentacle Tuesday. So we were getting all cephalopodded up. Getting all cephal up in there. <laughs> so definitely listen to those guys. Listen to us. Collect the parts of the secret phrase. Listen to the episodes that are coming up. Put the seven parts of the phrase together. And then get in touch with... You message Leo after you hear the phrase on boobs, blood, and badasses. You message Leo Pond on Facebook with the entire phrase. If you listen to the shows in order, you will get the phrase in order. If you don't name, listen... Yeah, I was to, say, his name is Leo Pond. He's a very jolly ginger. You can't miss him. Yeah, very, uh, very happy guy. Uh, Head of the Dorkening Network. Message him. Facebook your, Messenger. Yeah, Facebook Messenger. Um, with the secret phrase in its entirety for your chance to win one of three prize packs. Yep, and there's there's a lot of prizes. If you go to thedorkening.com, you can see it. If you go to the Dorkening Facebook group, if you go to 
our our groups you can see it there's there's a lot of different prizes you know figures and and vinyl records and comic books amiibos and, and gift cards and there's so much there's so much it's uh, a lot and it's crazy and i kind of wish i had the opportunity to win it i don't because I, I we are the keeper of part of the secret phrase so we unfortunately do not qualify but you do you will it's going to be very fair we're going to put everybody's name into a uh, a wheel and if you've the seen some of, of my some of my giveaways, it's the exact same program. We put everybody's name into a wheel, spin the wheel, whatever it lands on, you win the first prize, and then we do the second prize, and we do the third prize. So, you know, that's how we're going to do it. But we'll take when you win. You know, if someone wins, we take their name out because they can't, so they can't win multiple times. Give everybody. I mean, that's a better fair. chance each time. Yeah, that's that's super fair. But anyways, so enter to win. Just just do it. Just listen and enter. That's all you need to do. It's crazy. All you need to do is listen. And honestly, what do you have going on right now? Yeah, if you're a Castlevania fan, like <laughs> seriously. If you're a big Castlevania fan, like you're gonna get so much information from so many different angles, from so many different people. Uh hopefully you learn something that you don't know. And even if you, you don't, you know, you can always reach out to us and say, Hey, I didn't know that, but you know, I also, you know, Saw something that you guys, you know, I know something you guys didn't add, and I I'd like to add into it. You don't know, so yeah, and uh, you know that's what we're going to be doing for the foreseeable future. Next, uh, next, actually, a week, a week from today that we're recording this is when the this ends. So hopefully, uh, you stay safe in your quarantine environment. Drink and, lots uh, of quarantinis. Yep, lots of water too. Make sure that if you go out and you find supplies that you need, you know, toilet paper, pasta, stuff like that, hit up dollar stores because uh, a lot of folks aren't thinking about that. And I was able to find some pasta at a dollar store. But take what you need. Don't take everything. You know, and I don't imagine that mo- many of our listeners are going to be the type of people that hoard things and then try to resell that. But, you know, just take what you need. You know, uh, if you have a little extra, share it with your family, friends, neighbors, stuff like that. You know, help out as many people as you can. You know, if you have an extra jar of peanut butter, maybe give it to your neighbor across the street who's you doesn't know, have a peanut allergy. Who's, maybe whose kids have to stay home from school, and you know, maybe they're not doing as well as you are, and they don't have you know the means to feed their kids, um, so they have to keep going to work, stuff like that. You know, just. Be good just, people. Yeah, just use your shining for good. So I think with that being said, we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. Did you In- say Thursday? Thursday. Enjoy the music of Ice Nine Kills. Going down, sir. Indeed. Broken home, he can't give up but can't go.